Hey guys, this is the Real Life Monopoly Podcast. This is your co-host, Jeffrey Donis, alongside my partners and brothers, Kenneth and Kerwin Donis. We are real estate investors, and the point of our podcast is to help you reach your financial goals, which will allow you to have time to focus on your true passion so that you can live not only a happier, but more fulfilled life. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to today's show. Today we'll be having Zach Horith. Zach is a multifamily real estate investor as well as a commercial broker. He is based out of the Indianapolis area. And as a younger investor in this space, Zach touches on some of the, th- the things that have helped him starting out and how he has managed to build his portfolio. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Thank you for tuning in with the Donis Brothers. This is your co-host, Jeffrey Donis, alongside my two brothers, Kenneth and Kerwin. Today on the show, we'll be having Zach Horath out of Indianapolis. Uh, do you mind introducing yourself to the audience? What's going on, guys? Um, appreciate you having me on. My name is Zach Horath. Um like you said, I'm from Indianapolis. I am a real estate broker and an investor here and um, have been investing now for about uh, four years, five years or so. Um, and over the course, I've been able to get into some single family and uh, more so multifamily now, um, but primarily focused on uh, joint ventures and still doing a little bit of multifamily brokerage for the time being. And um, born and raised in Indianapolis, but uh, excited to have a conversation with you guys today. Uh, do you mind kind of going into how you got into real estate? You said that you were a broker. You're a broker, so um, yeah. do you mind kind of giving your your background? Yeah. So um, I originally uh, I, I grew up. Uh, my family members, my my grandparents had a couple single family rentals growing up, and um, I never really thought it was something I wanted to do. And uh, so on the weekends, you know, I'm I'm helping them paint rooms and fix shit that I just I didn't want to be there, right? Uh, so that was kind of my first introduction to real estate, and I, I'm I'm really appreciative for some of those uh, not so fun experiences, if you will. Um, but that was kind of my first taste. And then when I was in college, uh, I started working as more or less a leasing agent, and um, realized that the guys that owned the property were the ones that were actually making all the money. And so I figured, man, I need to be on the other side of this, not just as an agent, but as a, as a as a as an owner. And so that's where I got or had the epiphany that, man, I need to move back to a location at the time I was in Florida and I didn't have any money. And I'm like, man, I need to go back home to Indianapolis where properties are twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars and I can maybe afford something. Right. So that's kind of what really started uh, the momentum, if you will, or kind of uh, sparked the fire. And so ended up moving back to Indianapolis, shacked up with the parents in, in the basement and um, you know, the rest is history, I guess. Awesome. And um, you did say you're a broker. So, um, yeah. I'm assuming you're like the one building relationships with anyone that's interested in selling. Um, yeah. do you get to like pick your own deals when they come in? Like, do you get the first, uh, I guess the first dibs on them? Absolutely. I, I was just on another podcast where we, we talked about this and, um, you know, some people are like, Oh, well, are you picking over all the good deals before you send them out? Well, kinda, I mean, <laughs> the, here's the thing, like, and, and I, I'm straight up with people, especially clients who ask me this question, like, well, why aren't you buying it, right? Each investor is a, is in their own, um, everybody's in their own like time in, like, in their investing career, right? So like, for example, when I first started out, I was doing single family rentals and, you know, I didn't know how to do multifamily, right? So if a broker would have came along and said, hey man, I got this multifamily deal, I, I would be like, I, I can't, I, I'm just not experienced enough to take it down. I don't, I don't know. And so I tell the, some of my other clients the same thing, right? Somebody who's buying their first single family home, 
I'm not your competition because I'm not really buying single family homes anymore, right? There's some that, hey, people are like, hey, I'm going to give this house away. And I'm like, oh, here's a check, right? Um, that's a little bit different story. But I try to explain that um, to folks that, hey, yes, like I, as an agent, I do get to see everything before it hits market or it hits these email lists. So um, I think I would be ignorant not to take a look at those. But what, where some people miss is I get to cherry pick uh, the relationships, right? I get to deal with a ton of these people who are buying, who are selling. Those people could could ultimately become great investors or partners on other deals in the future. So for somebody that um, that is interested in reaching out, that's something that we've encountered. We've been reaching out to brokers, but yeah. um, we've also heard potentially reaching out to those uh, multifamily property owners. Would you yeah. recommend that for somebody that's a not not a broker? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, that's how I buy all my deals. I don't, I don't go to brokers. Um, you know, I kind of made a joke about it on my Instagram story last night. Like, you know, hey, how are you finding deals in this market? Well, it's weird. You know, they make these things called a phone, right? You got to pick it up. You got to call people. You got to create relationships, right? So, dude, you know, I don't care. How, how old are you guys? Dude, it doesn't matter how old you are. Call somebody up. Start, start a conversation with them. Find some, find some common interest and, start, and spark up a conversation, right? And that's, that's exactly what I've done with all these apartment owners um, and, and even single family, right? Like the person who owns what you have, they're not this like mystical creature. They're another human being. Like I'm sure there's something you guys have in common, right? And so that's where like I try to just be human, right? Be, be a good person. And, you know, it all comes back to creating the relationship. I think that if you can just show someone, hey, look, like you're not just there to fork them over their, for their property, they're going to be more, you know, more apt to want to work with you. And so I, I found success in that, not only on the brokerage side of things, but also, you know, when I'm buying a property, that, hey, look, this guy's straight up. He's not here, excuse me, to waste my time. And, and I think that you just, you, you, you operate like a class act. Does that answer that? Right. Yeah, no, you definitely did. And I know you mentioned that you uh, were in single family at first, and now you're mainly yeah. focusing on uh, multifamily. Do you mind going into why you are now mainly focused on multifamily and not so much on the single family? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I started buying single family just, just because I was comfortable with it. I had, kno I had known, you know, growing up, my grandparents had a, a few properties and I was, it was just kind of, you don't know what you don't know, right? So I knew single family, it worked. I knew the model, pretty simple, right? I'm going to freaking buy this place and lease it out. Um, and so what I started doing is I, I got one property and I'm like, okay, the cash flow is good. The returns are good. Um, I feel like I have a nice property here, but how do I go to, and do this again and again and again? And so I started buying more properties in the same neighborhood. And what I started to realize, I'm looking at, you know, my goals later on down the road, like how much cash flow do I want to have coming in on a monthly basis? And I'm like, dude, I got to buy every damn house in the neighborhood here, right? So I'm like, okay, I, I don't have the kind of money. I don't feel like I can even raise that kind of money to be able to go and buy every single home in this neighborhood. Um, so why don't I start to explore the options of multifamily? You know, you start talking about having 10 single family homes versus a 10 unit property. It's a little bit easier in terms of logistics to work on a 10 unit property. You know, you can buy materials in bulk. You can have, you can send one guy to go work on it. Like you're not having to go drive all over town. There's not a different, you know, layout for each half or for each property, um, you know, on the single family side of things. So that's kind of what made the, the transition for me, um, I guess really even pop into my mind. So I started exploring, you know, a little bit more about the multifamily space, networking, and uh, you know, gradually started to migrate that way. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I mean, I, we've definitely spoken with a lot of people that have transitioned from single family into yeah. multifamily, as you know, well as ourselves. We've 
you know, the economies of scale in multifamily are just a lot better. You have one, of course, there's different buildings, but you have a lot more yeah. units under one roof. So it's definitely a lot, um, you know, easier to powerful. maintain, to manage. Yeah, it's powerful. Um, so what did your first deal kind of look like? And, uh, you know, how many units was it? If you don't just mind yeah. touching on that. So um, the first, the first, the first multifamily deal. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, we actually did a 1031 exchange into the deal. Uh, I sold a single family. It was the very first single family property I bought with uh, with partners. We 1031 into that. Ten, it was a 10 unit deal. And uh, we you what what you guys are in what the Carolinas? Uh, we're located in Durham. Okay, so um, we so properties in the Midwest are a little bit cheaper, but we bought this 10 unit property for 125 grand, so 12.5 a door, which sounds freaking nuts. But uh, it wasn't like in the hood. It wasn't like a big POS. It was it was just a C class like small town kind of kind of deal. So we picked it up as an older seller. Uh, believe it or not, it actually hit the MLS, and I thought it was a mistake. I thought I'm like 125 grand for 10 units. That doesn't seem right. So uh, the next morning, I drove the property. We got it under contract, and um, dude, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't have it inspected. Like I just just freaking do it, right? Um, and so we ended up closing it, and uh, it was at the time I think it was a ninety. It was ninety percent occupied. We got debt on the building um, with the with the, for the remaining amount that we didn't have for the uh, ten thirty one exchange funds, and uh, it went pretty smooth. I was very surprised. It was a good experience, but that first deal allowed me to cut my teeth in terms of like you know you read about these concepts like increase the rents, decrease the expenses. Like it's not rocket science, but this was a really good one that was relatively cheap to prove that concept, to gain confidence in myself, my partners, and um, also allowed me, you know, to learn some things what not to do, right? Uh, this building didn't have separate utility meters, right? So, you know, come summer when people are cranking, you know, window AC units, I'm getting the bill for that, right? So, um, there's definitely some good that came from it. Definitely some bad, uh, or not even some bad, but, but what I will say is things that it allowed me to get smarter as an investor onto the next deal. So, um, you know, w after we acquired the place, we, you know, there's a couple people, they moved out. We, you know, we changed, they were going, the, the car, the prior owner was going, uh, he was renting them week to week. And I was like, dude, this isn't going to work. Like, you know, we got to go at least monthly and then getting those people on the annual. So, you know, I was, I was like property manager, Zach, you know, I'm knocking on the door like, Hey, you know, we're, we're switching your lease over. And, uh, so, you know, we, I got a, a full taste of that. And, uh, this, this is a joint venture with my parents. So, uh, luckily enough, they took a, uh, kind of a risk on me or a chance with, uh, with partnering with me here. So I, I pretty much ran the deal. Um, and we held that thing for, gosh, I think, three years or so. We just sold it this year, this past year. Um, I'm sorry, two two years, almost three years. We sold it back in October. So we bought it for 125 and we sold it for almost 200. Um, but it, you know, it was a decent one. It was just, it was getting to the point where um, after that deal, I had bought some, some bigger deals and it was, it was like, Hey, look, this isn't really something that's going to align with our portfolio. And I didn't want to self-manage it anymore. Um, but again, a super good one to, to kind of get into. I do want to touch on that. So, um, you know, that's definitely a good deal to kind of, like you said, sharpen your teeth, figure out what to do, how to yeah. manage it. Um, because when you learn how to manage it and you self-manage it, you kind of 
build what you in a property manager. So I guess it was yeah. probably a lot easier kind of finding um, a property manager. But to kind of touch on that, so you said you bought it for one twenty five a door, and it was twenty five units. No, 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 no. I bought it for twelve five a door. 12,500 oh, 12, 12, a door. Gotcha. And we okay. sold it for nineteen thousand five hundred a door. Gotcha. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's a lot cheaper than. Well, of course, that was uh, you know, wait, not too far back, but a few years ago for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's it was wild. Yeah, that so and you were definitely able to exit. So I know that you said you've been doing uh bigger deals now. Yeah. Um what have you found the difference being from managing or owning a smaller unit deal rather than a bigger unit and why would you say uh either one is better to uh better or easier to own? Well, so you know, when you're first getting started, it's it's scary, right? It's oh, I'm buying an apartment building and really it's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, it, you get into it and it's like, all right, instead of a single family house, you're dealing with nine other people, 10 other, whatever, right? So it, it's not that crazy. Um, you know, it, it takes a little bit more attention to detail just because you have more units, there's more shit to deal with, right? I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, but I think like if, if you're just getting started out and I don't know what you're like, li I don't know what your um, listener base or, or audience looks like, but, you know, for people who are just getting started out that are maybe considering like, well, I think I want to buy a duplex instead of like maybe a 16 unit. Like I would encourage you, don't be super scared, right? Um, I say that because, you know, your your debt that you're going to get on those is going to be a little bit different just in terms of residential versus commercial debt. But the more units you have, the, the, the better you are or the better you can camouflage yourself from vacancy, right? And what I mean by that is, okay, you got a 16 unit building. You could have two, three, four of those things that are vacant or that you're working on. And you're still making your nut, right? Like we have we have a 19 unit building, and you know that thing churns out some freaking cash, right? And and I would much rather have that 19 unit building than you know three duplexes. And I say that because you know we have so we have money coming in on the 19 unit, and we may have one one vacancy, two vacancies, but we can still cover all of our expenses and make money you know, with having a couple of those vacant and working on those units. Whereas if you have a duplex or a triplex or a four, you know, right, it's a little bit harder to do that because you have one of those units go vacant. Well, shit, now it's like, all right, now I got to throw some money in to pay, you know, to cover the mortgage or the expense, whatever the utility expense, whatever that is, it's a little bit harder to do that. So for me, I'm excited to, to get into even larger properties, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 plus units where it's like, dude, we got so much money coming every month. It's like, you just, you're pushing the incomes and that's where, look, you're bumping rents, five, 10, 15 bucks. You're like, holy shit. You look at the end of the year, you're like, dude, we're really improving the, the value of this property. So that's when I say like the, the apartments are just so powerful. That's what I mean. So, you know, if, again, if you're, if you're starting out, you're like, ah, is it doing a, a duplex or maybe an eight, a 10, a 12, like dude, go big. I mean, especially if you're young too, y'all are like, you say, with that. Yeah. like, dude, what, like shit hits the fan, dude, you're, you're going to be fine. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you said that you were JVing on a lot of these. Are you yeah, all for some, or are you just yeah. JVing on no, all of them? Dude, all the deals I bought so far, um, like had pretty much like other people's money. Rewind two years ago, I was a jun junior in college. Um, I had forty grand in my name. I thought I was hot shit. I'm like, dude, I have forty grand. Like, let's go. Put it into apartments. Um, <laughs> JV and other people, they came up with a down payment, um, a lot of the CapEx money. 
And, uh, I was, I was waiting on that 40 grand to come back and eventually it did. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I was able to find the deals. I raised the money, lined up the financing, lined up the property management. Like you, if there was work to be done, I was doing it right. I basically pulled these deals from start to finish. And, um, you know, that's where I think, especially your age doesn't not, doesn't necessarily matter. If you can equip yourself with the knowledge to be able to get the deal done, you're going to find the money. That's all. I think that's a really great information and people are going to find a lot of value in that. Um, I wanted to touch a little bit more on how your broker's license and yeah. um, how that's changed your business. Um, so us, for example, we've been reaching out to brokers and contacting yeah. them. And there's obviously that, that, that obstacle of um, just, we have that lack of experience. Yeah. Um, so I was just curious, for someone who's starting out, would you recommend that they get a broker's license and would that be like an efficient way to go about getting into that network or is that necessary? Uh, I mean, it, look, I'm not saying you'd have to, but it, for me, like it's been a great way to earn income, you know, just as a young guy. Um, I mean, I don't know what you guys do for like, are you guys full-time investors? Okay. So like, I mean, I don't know what that looks like if you're doing flip, but like most times I think when people are getting started out, um, you, you need income, right? You need active income before you try to go put something together on the passive side of things or, or residual. So for me, you know, I've never worked at like a real job. I've never been in corporate America, um, thankfully, but you know, I started brokering when I was in college. So I was selling single family homes. I was selling duplexes, I was selling fourplexes, and I was saving that commission money so that I could go and, and invest that back into real estate. And so, you know, I think some people think, Oh my gosh, I need to go get my, my broker's license so I can go and get deals. Again, I, it doesn't, this thing, this thing right here doesn't know if you're a broker or not. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Right. So pick up the phone, talk to people. Like, I think sometimes like get people get nervous about talking to brokers. She's like, Oh my gosh, it's the broker. Look, the broker sometimes probably doesn't even have properties. Right. So it's like, brother, man, where's the deals? Like I'm a closer. Give me some, like you may have to like work a little harder to, you know, create and develop that relationship and further that relationship. But as soon as you get that, as soon as you're like boys or, or I mean, not to like discriminate, but if it's a, if it's a lady, you know, as soon as you're tight with that broker, dude, you're, you're in good shape. Like, cause there'll be people now that are like my clients and like we're, we're, we're boys. I'll be like, yo, I got a deal. Either send the earnest money now or it's going to the next guy. Right. And so you, you just kind of create that relationship and that's what makes it so fun. Um, my brother Kerwin has been the one really reaching out to brokers and <laughs> no, yeah. Um, and going back to your first deal, I'm not sure if you were raising money for your single family business. Yeah. But what were some of, what were some like obstacles and challenges that you faced? Well, um, I didn't know how to like I didn't know how to lease a property. I didn't know how I didn't know where to get a lease. I didn't know, dude. I did, like literally. We buy the house. I go to the closing, and I sign. Like my parents weren't there. I like I don't know what the hell is going on. So I'm like, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. And so to rewind, I raised money for the first single family purchase, the single family house, it's $28,000, right? Vacant house, raised it for my parents. I had like six or $8,000 of valeting cars. So I'm like, hey, you guys buy the house, I'll manage the deal, I'll get the tenants in there, I'll do the bullshit or whatever, right? I'll do all that and then we'll split the money. And then if we sell it or whatever, like I'll eventually return you that $28,000 whether it's via rent, whether it's via sale, whatever, refi, I didn't even know what that was. So that's what that first deal looked like. 
but we held on to it for about eight months and this thing just like the appreciation shot through the roof so the house like almost doubled in a year and we're like shit we need to sell this thing right so i'm like oh dude we're looking at multi-families i'm like i found this 10 unit like, let's let's roll the let's roll the gains over into this other property and so that's what we did there. Hey, I'm, so. like, I'm like are y'all on board with this so that's what we did and, and we rolled over the the capital gains into the 10 unit apartment building then we all signed on the debt for the for the new uh the new purchase does that make sense yeah it does awesome but yeah man i mean so i know that you had said on the first one you partnered up with your parents and i, I assume that after that first one you kind of built some type of track record yeah. the second and third one when you were raising capital from other investors do you mind going into what challenges you faced and how you yeah. approach that there's a lot of people joining this space for us specifically um, a lot of us don't necessarily, it's something that is very intimidating. And I talked to a lot of new investors and it's something that that's like the hardest thing for them. So do you mind kind of, you know, yeah. uh, giving an, an explanation as to how you approached it at first? Well, so, you know, like I, when you're, when you're young or you're starting out, like you usually have two things, you have time or you have money. Right. And I didn't have any freaking money. So I had a lot of time and I'm like, all right, well, you know, you guys work normal jobs. Like I want to get into real estate. You know, at the time, I'm like, how can how can I find other people that maybe don't have the time but have the money? And despite my lack of experience, if you will, I was able to, I think, to supplement that with hustle, with drive, with the ambition to want to go out and do it. And when I'd have conversations with people, making sure that I was educated enough and had the knowledge to be able to, to speak on what it is that I want to do. It's just like creating a business plan and going to pitch to, you know, Mark Cuban, right? It's the same shit. Like, hey, here, here's here's the plan. Here's here's what's going to happen, and I'm going to be the guy that's driving the bus, right? So you can either get on, or you know, we'll go on to the next stop here. So, like, you just have to keep asking people, and there's going to be people that no, you're too young, no, you don't know what you're doing, no, 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 no. Like, you're going to get a bunch of no's, and so that's where that's fine. Like, take a mental note, on to the next, and so you know, I I've always tried to leverage my my age in a good way as opposed to a bad way, and I think you guys and your listeners should be doing the same thing, right? Use your your youth to your advantage because a lot of people look back on, you know, those those years of their lives and had wished they'd done something different to change their financial trajectory, right? So for me, I I never wanted to let off the gas in terms of going and getting in front of people that had money, whether that's family friends, whether that's strangers, whether that's whoever, right? making sure that everybody and their brother knows what you do. Hey, I'm an apartment investor. Well, what does that mean? Well, I raise capital from individuals and I go to place it in cash flowing assets, right? Really? Well, tell me more. Well, I buy B-class properties that were built in the 1970s. I look for value add opportunities through under market rents, through da 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 da, right? And you become this sharp kid, right? Most people are gonna be like, dude, this is a kid. But as you start to do more, people are like, holy shit, this guy, he's got his stuff together. These brothers, they know what the hell they're doing. We want to write them a $50,000 check, $100,000 check, yeah. right? So that's kind of how the momentum starts to roll. So I like that's reaching out to brokers. And yeah. um, something that I've kind of encountered is um, they'll ask me for like a deal sheet or yeah. um, my, my proof of funds. And yeah. I'm just curious, like, um, obviously, I don't have that yet, but yeah. um, I'm interested and um, – we luckily do. We're part of the Think Multifamily Group, so we have a uh, you know a group of people of investors who have closed successfully. Yeah. But for people that might not have that, what would you recommend they Go do? Around them. So just completely like not. Dude, excuse my language, but brokers are dicks, right? Like there's this broker, and he's a Marcus and Miller chap guy. Love him to death, but like I was probably your age. You said you were what nineteen? 
Yeah. yeah. So I was like 18, 19, and there's this 30 unit. Isn't it? I'm gonna I'm gonna tag him in this when this comes out because it's funny. And I talk right. about all these, but I called him up. I'm like, dude, I really, I really want this apartment, but it's like 30 units, value add, you know, the whole nine. And he's like, oh, well, send me your proof of funds. I'm like, dude, I got like seven grand in a bank account. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> right. So, you know, so he just blew me off and he's like, oh, this kid's some schmuck. Right. You know, oh, he, he picked up a, you know, a book and went to a conference, which a lot of people do. Right. But so what I did, I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to get deals from this guy. And he, that's fine. There, there's the deals that are out there are not just controlled by brokers. Dude, get on Craigslist, get on Facebook Marketplace, call these owners up because more than likely your mom and pop owners who are on these sites that are advertising on here that have the fuzzy pictures or the, the red for rent sign that's got, you know, horrible written marker on there. Those are the people that you're going to buy a deal from. And a broker from CBRE, from Marcus, I'm not, not here to call people out, but those people are not chasing those kinds of deals. So I call those owners up. I'm like, hey, look, I'm the grandson you've never had. And I'm going to buy this deal from you because I remind you of yourself 30 years ago. So sign here, right? Like that's the mentality you got to have. You can't go to a broker and be like, hey, man, can you send me the deals? Like he's never going to send you a deal. Like, come on now. So people... Like for people to think like, oh, I'm going to build rapport with him, but I've never closed a deal. And I'm da, 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 da. like, yeah, I know people have mentors and they have this. And, that, and that's that's like that is very important. But if you want to get a deal done, you need to pound the freaking phones, pound the pavement and, and just talk to people like that would be my suggestion. It, it, that's as real as it gets. Sorry if that's a little much. No, no, no. We like that. We like that energy. Um, that's kind of what we like. What we've to do is just take action, and we obviously know real estate's a numbers game. So that's kind of what we tell him. And, and when we were in the single family business, we were calling sellers. It was the same thing. Like they, they can kind of hear it in your voice sometimes. You sound young, but you just gotta keep going. And and most of the people are actually gonna take you serious if you know what you're talking about. And like you said, that's where that time comes in, where you're taking that time to educate yourself. And if you know what you're talking about, they can't question that. You know. All right. So the difference, what, and and you guys have probably found this. I saw you are all were walking like a fifty something unit the other day. The difference between your single family owners and your multifamily owners is the level of sophistication. Okay. And what I mean by that is single family owners, that's like their pride and joy. They're like, oh my God, they always want way too, way too much and what it's worth. The multifamily investors kind of get it. Now I'm not, I'm not generalizing all of them, but like for the most part, they're like, okay, it's an investment. And and like, I'm honest with some of these people. Like when I first started, I was like, hey man, like I got a handful of single family homes I've got a small, you know, a little 10 plex, um, but I'm looking to step it up. And, and people can respect that, right? And especially if you're dealing with mom and pops who are getting a little bit older, who are getting in their 60s or 70s, they don't want to deal with that particular property. They're going to be more inclined to entertain you than be like, hey, I have 5,000 units. Like, dude, what what does that even mean? Right? Yeah. So <laughs> if you're just like honest with some of these people, that like that is the that is the core difference of like, the single family, they're in left field. The multifamily, like they at least get it a little bit and you can have a little bit more of a, you know, kind of like conscious conversation with them of, hey, like, I, I, you know, my brothers and I were a young group of guys. We're, we're, we pooled our money together. We want to buy this apartment building because we're trying to create generational wealth. We want to we want to mimic what you have done for you and for your family and yourself for our family. Right. And, and people can people can respect that. And to kind of go into that. Um, that's. That's exactly why we're doing it really is to help other people, of course, create wealth. But uh, we want that for ourselves. Our mom's a single mother and she's been working hard her whole life. So our goal is to retire her. 
Um, and do you kind of have a why as to what you're, you know, you're doing this? Um, I mean, I know that you work really hard. Is there like a reason that you're doing this and the reason you get up every day? Yeah, I, I have a blast with it. First and foremost, like there's nothing else you can have this much fun with, right? It's like hunting for treasure every day. But like the reason I've worked, I've never wanted to work for anybody is because like, I don't do very, I don't do well with rules. And I, I just want to, I want complete control of my time, right? Like if I want to go hang out with friends or I want to go hang out with family or go on a vacation, like I don't want to have to say, hey, um, can I get two weeks off? Like what? Right. So I have, a, I have a, dude, I have a hard time with that. So, you know, for me, it's, it's control of your, of your, of your freedom, your time. Like time is the only thing we can't get back. Right. You can always make more money. You're going to, you're going to make money, you're going to lose money, but like do time, like, dude, none of us are getting younger. Yeah. That's what I always say is, is time is the most valuable yeah, thing to have. Maybe you're getting younger. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Exactly what, what, uh, I feel like a lot of our, our people that we're trying to help, um, they don't have time right now. So what they do have is money, like you mentioned earlier. And what we can do as a multifamily investment company is help them invest in, in something that is not as volatile as, you know, stock market and, and stuff like that. So that's exactly why we're doing it. And, and right now we're just really looking for those investors, um, trying to build that, 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 uh, a platform where we can attract capital. Um, but yeah, so going into, um, yeah, but it's kind of going into more like your mindset. Um, obviously you started out when you were young too, and you had to overcome fear. Uh, do you mind going into how fear was holding you back and what you, how you had to overcome it and what kind of mindset it takes in order to break into the multifamily space? Because for us, it was something that we were, we always wanted to get into multifamily because of, of course, the scalability, the passive income, and just all the other benefits that it has. And, and we were already putting so much time towards single family. We might as well just go for our ultimate goal, which was multifamily in the first place. But we had to overcome that barrier. That was, it's intimidating. Uh, people aren't going to take us seriously. We don't have any other money. How did you overcome that? Um, I don't really have a good answer for that. Probably, um, I'm I'm a little unconventional. If you haven't, if you couldn't tell, but just go into exactly what, what you are. Then <laughs> I, I, you know, my my thought process is like, dude, you know, there's always gonna be people that are like, oh, these guys, you know, they're in real estate, like, oh, no, no, right? Yeah. So I just I I, I just don't. I, I've gotten to the point where I don't care what people think, and and not in a bad way of where it's like, oh, like you know, haters, make, like, that's not what I'm getting at. It's like, there, there's going to be people, I think that you really drive well with the people who really respect what you have going on. And I think you have to be able to leverage your position because we're all dealt a different hand of cards in life, right? So you got to, you got to play that hand to your advantage, to your disadvantage, whatever it may be. Um, we all have different contacts. We all come from different, different, uh, different backgrounds. And so my point there is, is like, for me, you know, when I first moved back to Indianapolis, a lot of people were like, dude, you're, you know, that was the third time I transferred schools. I was just kind of bumping around. I didn't, I don't think I really knew where I was at, but in, in the back of my mind, I had a, a kind of place where I, I felt like I, I was going. And I think that everybody has that kind of aha moment, that light bulb moment of this is what I want to do. And if that's multifamily, if that's whatever that looks like for you, you have to kind of internalize that and then just dude, put your head down and go. There's going to be people that talk shit. There's going to be people that, you know, oh, I don't know what's going on. Dude, you just, you got to write it off. So, I mean, I think it's less of like trying to put on a show for everyone else and, you know, hey, hey, look at me. You know, I got all this like experience in real estate. Like, dude, if you don't, just be transparent with people. Like everybody at one point or another is is there to learn and to grow and, and it's it's progression, right? If you don't have progression, it's it's hard to, I think, measure where you're at and where you're going. That, that's a really good answer. 
Um, and I really want to ask you that since obviously you're closer to our age and a lot of people that we're bringing on are, are not that close to our age. So I thought it'd be something good that we could ask you. But to kind of go into our express round, I'll ask you five questions. And it's pretty much something that's going to be pretty quick towards your personal life or business. The first question is, what is the biggest mistake you've ever made, um, whether in specifically real estate related? Um, I got too cocky in single family. Uh, I flipped, I flipped my first house in like 40 days. And I think, I think I made like 15 grand when I was in college. And I was like, damn, dude, look at me. Right. <laughs> and uh, this was going this from like, I was valeting cars to a $15,000 check. Like, Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I was like shaking at the closing table and you know, the next one, I'm like, man, I'm going to make so much money. Like, this is so easy. And like, dude, I didn't make any money on the next one. And, I, and it was literally because I just, it, it's up here. Right. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't, you know, it wasn't a $50,000 loss. It was a hundred thousand dollar loss or even more, but I won't, I will never forget that because it does humble you in the sense that like, dude, you, you can't let your, your head get too big to where you can't fit through the door. And, and I see that a lot in real estate and you know, there's kind of like, you know, that humble, like approach to some of these things, but also having enough confidence underneath you that, hey, look, you know what the hell is going on, right? You know what you're doing, but never get too, you know, never think that you're getting too good or you can't not, you know, make money, can't never lose money on a deal because it, it'll happen to you and it's not going to feel good, especially if you have investors money in the deal. Dude, that is that mm -mm, not good. So that's probably the biggest yeah. mistake. Is I got I let my ego get in the way of, um, you know, getting too good, if you will. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> second question: What is your favorite book? And if you have one, just for business, yeah. then that's fine. But if you also have one that you want to bring up for your personal life, that's a, good as well. Um, I really liked so like in terms of multifamily, multifamily millions by Dave Lindahl was is pretty good. Um, I really liked that one a lot just because I think it made it real for me. Um, I haven't read it in a while. I need to reread it, but it's it's just very basic and it, it put things into perspective for me um, when I was transitioning from single to single family to multifamily. So I would I would definitely recommend that one as far as like a real estate type book. Awesome. I've not heard of that one, so uh, I took it down. I'm definitely gonna buy it. Uh, so, do you have a best piece of advice that you've received or your favorite quote? Either one. Something that something that you kind of have learned that you would give as a best piece of, of advice to someone. Ooh, if, if you don't have a seat at the table, make one. And I think that's from Jesse Itzler. I don't know if you guys know who that is or not. Um, he's Sarah Blakely's wife or husband. Um, he started a like a private jet company that got bought by Warren Buffett, and uh, just a really impressive mm. guy. But. He basically, you know, talking about, I mean, it's self-explanatory, right? If, if you don't have a seat at the table, make one. And I think that that's big, especially for young people who, you know, feel sometimes like subservient or, or like, you know, this big in a room. Like, dude, don't be afraid to go up and introduce yourself or talk to that person that you might be a little bit nervous about, you know, about approaching. Like, you never know what might come from a conversation or some sort of interaction with someone. So I've always kind of taken that approach and, Look, I mean, what's the worst somebody's going to say is no. Awesome, man. Yeah, I definitely agree. That's something that we, of course, as a young person, kind of just have to, like, get over. And uh, as, like, a beginner, you kind of have that. But as you get more experience, I feel like, and educate yourself, uh, you're able to just step into that a lot a lot easier, into that uncomfort, you know, that uncomfortable zone. Absolutely. Um, to go into my fourth question, do you have a daily habit that you would say 
um, you can accredit some of your success to, or at least some something that you've uh, been able to develop as a habit? Um, so there's three things I do every day. It's read, write, and work out. And that doesn't necessarily mean like I got to go, you know, freaking bench 300 pounds, but like get your body moving, get your mind moving. You know, for me, like I always thought that journaling was kind of dumb. Like, oh, that's for chicks. Like, you know, what am I going to talk about? Like, you know, like I just thought it was dumb. But then I started, you know, writing my goals, being very intentional about, you know, what was going on up here and getting it onto paper um, and, and more so self-development, you know, self-improvement. Um, I think has helped me become, you know, more dangerous in the real estate space because, you know, every day when I wake up, I know that, hey, there's three things I'm going to stay consistent with that can help me become a, a better person, not only just from a business standpoint, but in my relationships, right, um, to ultimately try to, to be the best I can be. Yeah, so um, that's something that we all, obviously, my brothers and I, we kind of got into once we started our entrepreneurship journey, uh, self-development, and we noticed that as, as you grow as a person, I feel like you can apply that to your business. And it's like small things like discipline and stuff like that. So just like you said, working out, you build that discipline at the gym and it kind of transferred over to your business. Yeah. Um, so we like to apply that in, our, in all aspects of our lives. But our yeah. So our last question, is there like a way that people can find out more about you and what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on Instagram. You know, Zach.Harith is, is my Instagram. I also have a website, you know, .com. Um, You can shoot me an email, Zach at ZachHarith.com. I try to keep it pretty pretty simple. Shoot me a DM, you know, if you want to chat, you know, I, I do 30 minute calls with people and, you know, if they have a deal they want to look at or they're just, you know, trying, maybe there's questions they have on multifamily um, or just getting started in the real estate space. You know, look, like I said earlier, at one point or another, we were all there. So, you know, trying to pay it forward to some extent, I think uh, is always good. So, you know, um, feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm not a stranger. I don't bite, but hey, man, try to keep it light, keep it fun. Like you said, too many people take themselves a little too serious, and life's life's too short for that, right? Yeah, we we really do enjoy watching your stories, so keep it up, man. <laughs> Those yeah. stories are always have me dying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really do appreciate your time, Zach. Um, my brothers, I know they appreciate it as well, and we hope that we can get on this call sometime again and kind of just stay in touch. I hope you have a good weekend. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Real Life Monopoly podcast with the Donis Brothers. If you want to learn more about what we do, make sure to visit our website, www.donisinvestmentgroup.com. And if you aren't already, make sure to follow us on all platforms at Donis Brothers. Let's be great today. Have a good one.